and welcome to Dear Franny, the podcast of uncommon conversations about love. I'm your host, Francesca Hoagie. Hello. Welcome to part two of my two-part episode, two-part series, one of those things. Um, This is part two of stories about people who found love later in life. And if you missed part one, my interview with Suzette Biernan, be sure to check it out. She has a lot of wisdom to share and all of my guests do. And the reason that I wanted to do these interviews is because it's not even just about the age. It just happens that, you know, we generally are hopefully getting wiser as we get older. So my guests have a lot of wisdom to share. It's like the lessons that they learned and the choices they made that allow them to get into these relationships. Like that's the part that's really meaningful and the part that I really wanted to capture about these stories. So my first guest today is Tanya Malat. Tanya is an amazing photographer. Make sure you check out the show notes for a link to her website and to her social media. And Tanya is someone who I've known for years, but last time I saw Tanya, things weren't going so well in her love life. So I'm really excited for you to hear this story and hear how Tanya decided to break her own rules, which is a great lesson for us because sometimes we can get too stuck in our ways and thinking how things quote unquote should be. And when she allowed herself to open up and consider a new possibility, then she met someone really amazing. So I will let you hear it straight from Tanya. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Tanya Malat. Tanya, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's really good to talk to you. Thank you. And you're welcome. I was rather enthusiastic when I answered your request. And I was really excited. Oh my God. Tanya, tell me your love story because this is a new story since the last time I saw you. Probably five years ago. That was the beginning (laughs) of the low point of my life. (laughs) Yes, I know. That was a hard breakup. So you were were with your ex for how many years? 10 years. Wow. Never married, but I don't think either one of us really wanted to be. But it's funny because a part of me knew that if he ever asked, I would have to say no. So that's not a very good place to be in a relationship. It's not. If you know that the answer is no, then it's just no. Like I I don't distinguish between marriage and relationship, which is pretty funny for a person who used to photograph weddings. But yeah, for me, it's the relationship that matters. And honestly, when it happened, I think I was 49. I was, I think I was still 48. And I just thought that's it. My life is over. I'm almost 50. There is no future. And the only, I think the only person that gave me hope was I had this one friend who said, you know, my mom met the love of her life after 50. And I thought, oh, that can't be. 50 is dead, right? Because when you're on the other side of it, you do think it's like practically the end or the worst thing that's going to happen. And I'm going to say a year of nothing, a year, you know, of a year of tarot cards and psychics and like God knows what, everything. I just, and, and just introspection. And then there was a really young guy who'd been kind of, let's just say interested when I was newly broken up. And I just looked at him like, got to be kidding. I mean, really young, under 30. And I thought, no way. Yeah, I couldn't feel it, see it, imagine it. I really wasn't interested in casual sex. I think maybe he was. And then after a year, I actually went out with him. And it was just interesting to feel the perspective of a person looking at you differently, you know, looking at you the way you don't see yourself. So I'm thinking, I'm old, 
and not desirable. And here's this kid who's like, hmm, she's hot. I'd like to go out with her. I sort of credit that kid, if you will, with bringing me back to life. Because right after I met him again, I met some other people, just one after the other after the other. It's, it's like a switch was flipped and it was flipped in me and a little bit by someone else. But I mean, I just couldn't not meet people. I mean, I met a guy at an ATM machine. I met a guy in a bar when I went to go hear my friend singing and- You got your mojo back. I got my mojo back, but it was weird mojo. I mean, it was like, it kept going so easily that the idea of online dating was just a big no for me. I thought, why would I need that? Because, you know, this live in person thing seems to be working really well. So yeah, so what made you decide to get on Tinder? I think it was the person I met in the bar and super interesting. Everything seemed to be going really well, had like a dinner or two. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, he just cut it all off and said, you know what, I'm not ready for a relationship. And I think he also realized he had some addiction issues that he needed to go address for himself. And it, that's something I'm very sensitive to just because of my exes and other relationships. So I sort of took that as a thank you very much for saving me a lot of trouble and thank you for exiting <laughs> my uh, story because otherwise, you know, I was feeling quite attracted to this person. So I thought, well, okay. I must have met everybody in town now. So <laughs> I wasn't really looking for someone local. I was open to the idea of moving. I also had a really strong feeling that I wasn't looking for an American. That's just a personal thing of mine. I was either looking for an American who traveled a lot and was very worldly, or I was looking for a European who was in New York. So I went on Tinder and I got the paid version because then I could change my location at will. This is sort of my little secret to Tinder. <laughs> Don't do the free version. Do the paid version and change your location according to either where you want to be, who you want to meet. I mean, I know it's hard for the in-person thing, but... Well, how long were you on Tinder? And did you have the experience of, of matching with men and then them being like, wait, you're in Sag Harbor? Wait, I'm in, you know, Paris or Rome or wherever. Well, not really. So first of all, I almost was on Tinder for one day and that was it. Because on day one, I learned about getting the unwanted dick pics. I learned not to give out your phone number too fast. I, I learned a lot of things the hard way and really fast. And I thought, well, I, I need to get off. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to let one person spoil my experience. And I'm tougher than that. So I stuck with it. And meeting people this way was really easy and simple. For me, is the core lesson of all dating apps. Which is? They are exactly what you believe they are. They are a reflection of what you believe. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Absolutely. Yep. The energy you put into it is the energy you're going to get out of it. Yep. If you think it's all, you know, dick pics and hookups, it will be that. So your question, were people put off by my location? They might have been. I don't remember those people. I remember yeah. the people for whom it was nothing. So you're on Tinder. You decide you're not going to let a few bad apples spoil your whole experience. You get yourself in the right state of mind. This man that I am now coming up on three years together, he broke all of my rules. I had picture rules for how your pictures should look. And it's funny because I talk in terms of how the picture looks, but I operate in terms of how a picture feels. Obviously, I shoot that way too. So 
I looked at his pictures and thought, well, he's wearing sunglasses. Which is a big no-no. It's a profile. No. It's black and white. I thought, well, okay, that's kind of artsy. I'll give points for that. And it had the New York City skyline in it, so I gave him points for that. And he looked like Mark Anthony, so I was like, well, of course I'm going to (laughs) say yes. And it's funny because his profile started with looking for LTR, a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's really the only thing wrong with it. But other than that, it's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Were you not looking for a long-term relationship at that point? Well, apparently I thought I wasn't, but I was. It's Mm. That's a hard one to explain because I really thought I wasn't, I don't know, I guess I thought I would be alone longer. I thought I was either not ready, not trusting. I'm not sure what it was, but I definitely, my mindset was I'm still playing here. I'm not really interested, but that isn't really who I am. And really who I am is serial monogamist, you know, Mm -hmm. like a long, long relationship followed by sort of the question mark the space, you know, who's next, what's next, you know, what do I want? How do I reevaluate my life now that this other relationship has ended? So I wasn't really expecting anything. I can't even tell you how quickly everything moved with Sydney. It was kind of insane. Where did he live at that point? He lived in Queens. Oh, so he did live in New York. And great, Queens, close to Long Island. (laughs) He really did check all the boxes that I was looking for, but I never would have known that if I hadn't spoken to him. He's from Brazil, but he moved to the US and became a citizen in his 20s. Then he married an Irish woman and moved with her to Ireland. So wow. So you did have the European connection after all. Well, European plus, I mean, I don't want to say Latin American because Brazilians don't consider themselves to be Latin American, which I didn't know at the time. He had just come from Ireland. He didn't even know what Tinder was. I am the one and only person he met. Wow. Oh, isn't he lucky? He's like, what's the big deal, guys? Why why, why are people complaining about (laughs) dating apps? This is the easiest thing in life. (laughs) So he was coming home to New York. His circumstances brought him back to New York at just the right time. I thought it was a little early for me, but as it turns out, it was perfect timing. My son was dating a Brazilian in his high school, so that just was a weird coincidence. Yeah, Half our house was Brazilian. (laughs) (laughs) So you were 50 at that time. I, yes, I had already turned 50. I had what I thought was the perfect 50th birthday party. And how old was Sydney when you met? He was 57. And the funny thing is, he said, after two or three exchanges, he said, you know, I really don't like this thing. Could we have a phone call tomorrow? It was very quick to switch to a phone call. And I said, yes. And I am so glad he did because it's true. You get such a different read on a person from their voice. And I really don't like falling in love with the way someone texts and writes or just falling, falling for it. And then you hear their voice and just think, no, Mm -hmm. because the voice tells you a lot. And, and it goes both ways. I mean, he said he just fell in love with my voice immediately. It's funny. It wasn't even a video call. It was just a phone call. Wow. The next conversation we had about how to meet or where to meet in Sag Harbor, he was already in the cab on the way to the Jitney. But here's the thing. He actually used to live in Southampton. He used to work and live in Southampton. He was originally married in Montauk. So he knows the area. He knows the lay of the land. Wow. I know that a lot of people feel the way that you feel, which is like, you know, you want to have that phone call. And I never felt I could really know about a person 
until I met them face to face. So I was always the person who's like, let's just skip the phone call and let's just meet so we can find out if there's any potential for a connection here. I'm so glad that you had that friend who inspired you to consider that, okay, maybe it isn't all over at 50 because maybe that her inspiration is what maybe opened you up to that younger guy, which then flipped on. Is that the right timing? Like, Well, it's funny because we talk about this a lot, that age is really just a number. And I was more stuck in the number. And the funny thing is, I started to feel younger once I hit 50. Wow. So do you think that you consider him to be the love of your life? Absolutely. He feels, for me, he feels like the first person who really sees me. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. And sees me in a way where he just lets me be me. And that's, let me see if I can explain that. When I was married, sometimes it's a hindsight realization, but... I think there was a point where I felt like I was a bird in a golden cage. And so my surroundings were beautiful and, you know, my life looked really amazing, but I felt a little bit like a prisoner and trapped. And he would say things like, you know, isn't this good enough for you? Or I I don't even know how to say, I mean, we did have a really nice life and I think for a while everything was okay, but there was a sense that I wasn't allowed to be the bigger version of me. I was supposed to be like the nice little corporate wife who had this really cool hobby of photography on the side. But for me to get on a plane and leave Russia and fly to the U.S. to photograph. Oh, I forgot that you lived in Russia with your ex-husband. And he would say, well, why do you need to fly to America? I just looked at him like, really? Is It just felt so insulting and belittling to me because honestly... I loved what I was doing so much, I would have done it for no money. I I don't have words for it. It was such a passion. And I knew I was really good at it and felt terrible that I had given up that creative side of me in order to be a corporate wife living in Moscow and, you know, basically entertaining his clients for dinner. I mean, it, it felt like a role I was playing, which wasn't the same as being me. So then in the next relationship, I felt a little bit the same, a little bit like this time I wasn't in a cage. I was sort of in the open hand (laughs) and he gave me a lot of space and freedom to, you know, do me, be me, whatever. I was sleepwalking too. I was sleepwalking in a relationship where I wasn't really being the biggest version of myself. And this person probably wasn't being his biggest version of himself either. Like, do you think if you had met Sydney 10 years ago, and I I think he might have been married 10 years ago, but let's just say he wasn't. (laughs) Let's just say he wasn't married. I mean, do you think that the two of you would have... No, right? Yeah. Our paths, we probably used to walk right by each other. He used to work a block away from where I lived in uh, Tribeca. It's so weird. When he talks about the places he worked, I, I, I just think... How did we not run into each other? But then I think, well, I never would have talked. I mean, at one point he was parking cars at some garage. I'm like, well, of course I wasn't going to talk to you when you were the car parking attendant, whatever. Which is funny because now it wouldn't matter to me if he was parking cars because I know who he is. But you would never have gotten to know who he was back then. Correct. You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode and have this conversation is because there's so many people who feel like, feel the way that you felt initially, you know, after that initial um, breakup with your ex when you were like, oh, I'm too old, like this is over for me. So there's that feeling. But there's also this feeling of like, I'm too set in my ways or I can't 
you know, I, I don't know if I can make room for another person in my life at this point. But I actually think that being older and really knowing yourself is the perfect time to get into a relationship because you're not doing that thing that you just talked about. You're not talking yourself out of things that are important to you because you are just, you know, kind of doing it to get along and make a relationship work. You just, when you know yourself better, it, it becomes so much easier to find the people who are right for who you really are, you know? Yes. Some people get lucky and they do that in their 20s. But for most of us, (laughs) you know, it takes some time and experience to really come to those realizations about yourself. Yeah. And there are definitely, there's so many different things that happen along the way. You know, it's one thing when you've never been married and you, you think you want kids. Actually, I never thought I wanted kids even. The day he was born, that definitely changed for me. <laughs> Luckily for both of you. Having my son taught me a lot of what I wanted in a relationship. Oh, wow. Sydney, I love that he, you know, he cries and he's yeah. emotional and he tells you how he's really feeling. And I don't know, that's just who he is. That's the relationship I was looking for. I was looking for the person that had the courage to be vulnerable. Yes. Oh, goodness. I love it. I love it. This is so wonderful. I'm so happy for you. Okay, I have one more question for you. So if you had a megaphone that was loud enough for the whole world to hear, and you could send out one message about love, what would that message be? Put on your own mask first. You can't give what you don't have. So you really have to start with yourself. Amen to that. That means if you like look in the mirror and just criticize and say horrible things, that's you're not there yet. (laughs) Pointing fingers at other people about all the things they're doing wrong. Yeah, you're not there yet. I think um, the kind of victim mindset in love is so it's such a love block. It's so harmful. And um, yeah, I think that understanding that ultimately it's about you and and you doing the work to be the person that you really are, because it's all about getting back to who we really are, you know, and letting go of all the bullshit. Like, yeah, that's the real work. Because them is always you. Yeah, right, right. Like there is no them without you. Like you, (laughs) you chose them, you, uh, you know, you were attracted to them, you, you invited them into your life, you engaged in that relationship like that. There's, there's no escaping that. (laughs) Right. I remember asking my mom, like, you know, why did you choose him that? And, you know, people are complex. Nobody's all one thing. Abusive people aren't just abusive people. (laughs) They're also interesting and complex and hurt and loving, but we have choices and we make choices and then we have to decide how to respond. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. That's like true growth. (laughs) When you really know how to say no and you really have that trust in yourself and that integrity with yourself, that's like, you know, that's the sweet spot of life. Absolutely. I had to become 50 to get that because I didn't have it. I didn't have it at 20 anything. I didn't have it at 30 anything. I feel like I was just numb in my 40s. I don't even know what happened to my 40s. I think, you know what, I was raising a child and that's where my energy went. I just took the focus off of me for a long time. Well, I'm glad that it's back on you. (laughs) I love that this now makes all of my relationships better. Yeah, it really does. Thank you, Tanya. Oh, Tanya, I'm so happy for her. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And next time someone tells you that Tinder is just for hookups, 
remember this story. <laughs> All right, and now for a love story that is both gross, yes, it's gross, but it's also incredibly sweet, and that equals romance <laughs> um, in my book, I guess. So you are now about to hear from Wendy Worthington and Johnny Walker and enjoy their sweet and gross and romantic love story. Wendy and Johnny, thank you so much for talking to me today. I'm so excited to have you on Dear Franny. Well, we're happy to be here. Yes, we are. Uh, so this is the first time that I've interviewed two people at the same time for this show. So this is, a, you guys are a, a landmark. So how did the two of you meet? Condensing this. Um, <laughs> I had an animal client who became a very dear friend and ultimately she had no family and she was elderly. So I took care of her and she never approved of the kinds of men that I dated and was always telling me, you need to have a best friend. That's what you need. And fast forward, she died. And after she was gone, I I went online to catch up on all my emails that had gotten behind while I was dealing with that. And I accidentally joined Tagged, which I thought was something connected to Facebook. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with, you know, online dating, but I had never done that. It just was not my thing. And I saw that my best friend was on Tagged and I thought it was something, it was a Facebook thing. But then once it popped up, I saw it was like a dating thing. And so I never did anything further with it. I just completely ignored it. And I kept seeing the space, this face that got my attention that kept passing through as I'm like catching up on emails. And this was like over the course of a year, this one face kept coming by. And I went to delete and I hit the wrong key and immediately had a panic attack. Because I was freaking out going, oh my God, how do I undo it? I didn't mean to. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And immediately I heard from him and he's a very funny guy and he wrote something very witty and I read it. It was like, well, let me look further into this. And it turned out we had mutual friends and that was the beginning. And he wanted to get together to meet in person. And I was just too busy. There was too much going on. If you want to see me, it's going to have to be a dog walk. I can't do this. I don't have time. And he came, we went for a walk down the street and he came back the next day and has never left since. We've been together every day since. So, Johnny, do you remember that day when you got that first notification from her? When we started to you know, text back and forth and stuff, it kind of became more important because we obviously had been hitting it off pretty well. We had some kind of chemistry. And the more we chatted, the more I knew I wanted to meet her. So I kept kind of pushing for it. And she was a little resistant at first to, <laughs> to actually meeting in person. She seemed to... She's way too busy, of course. She wasn't a fan of online dating. She was very skeptical. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and finally, she gave it. So when did the two of you get engaged? When did it have some, uh, some surgery? I was still under the effects of sedation. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise she would never... Johnny, you were like, here's my chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was a little unwell at the time, you know, and I was taking care of her. And when she got home, there was a, a catheter and all that stuff. So she's hanging out here on the couch and... I decided to get up and drain her bag. Yeah, he was literally on his knees emptying my bloody catheter. Oh, yeah. wow. She thought there was something endearing about that. <laughs> so she asked me. <laughs> yeah, he had brought up the subject of marriage several times, but like in a funny way, testing the waters. And mm -hmm. I ignored it and laughed it off over the course of a couple of years now. Yeah. And in that moment... 
when my world seemed to have fallen apart. It was supposed to be a very simple outpatient procedure, and then there were errors that happened, and it ended up being a 10-hour emergency procedure. Being someone who is always in control and always in charge, and I take care of everything, and I handle it, and I've got it all, and then suddenly I literally was flat on my back. And the only thing in the world that I saw when I opened my eyes was this man that I love on his Mm. knees, caring for me and taking care of everything. And it was the first time I had ever relinquished control. And it was beautiful. Yeah, it just kind of happened. So I have a question for you both. Why now? Why are you getting married? Been together for six years and you're obviously very happy and your lives are fully integrated. What does marriage mean to you at this point? It's the commitment. It's, it means that uh, this is the person I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. I've made up my mind. I, I'm very happy with this person, and I can't imagine I would I could ever do better. Well, honestly, when I initially said, <laughs> I actually said it'll be a lot easier to call you fiance than <laughs> than boyfriend with the, my way of proposing to him. And it was really know, just about paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> and, in that moment, even then, I was thinking, okay, we can just be engaged forever. That'll be enough. And seeing him so lit up about getting married, it clearly meant so much to him because I'm already completely committed to him. I mean, we're a team, you know, and that was already something I completely felt. And I didn't think a piece of paper would make that big a difference. I was just a flattered genius. His, his feet haven't touched the ground in months. Oh, that's and, so and sweet. It's so much better than I had ever imagined in my wildest dreams that it could be. Every day I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I get to be with my best friend. Oh, wow. That's so special. I have one final question for right. the both of you. So Johnny, let's start with you. If you had a megaphone that was loud enough for the whole world to hear, and you could send out one message about love, what would it be? Stay open. It's out there. I didn't really expect to find it. I just figured that probably, because you know, I'm a hot mess, and, and everybody I meet's a hot mess. And as I like to say, um, the rocks in her head fit the holes in mine. You've got to be willing to do the work, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we yep. we've had to had to work some, so you know it wasn't always perfect. And I think it's important for people who aren't in relationships who want to be to hear that message. Like it's not always perfect, and mm-hmm. it is about putting in the work. The love alone is not enough. You got to also back that up with the action of really committing to each other and to the relationship. Yeah, and um, therapy is a beautiful thing. Wendy, what is your answer? You had a megaphone loud enough for the whole world to hear. What is the one message that you would want to send out about love? Back to what I was saying before. Put the oxygen mask on yourself before you turn to help your child. Until you are willing to love yourself and really, Mm -hmm. really own that, then you can present who you are so you can meet somebody who can love you. If you don't love yourself, why would anyone else? Yeah. Well, it's, and also if you don't love yourself, even if someone else does love you, how will you be able to receive it? Right, right. right. And believe it and trust in it, you know? And be willing to learn how to communicate with each other. And if that Mm -hmm. means going to therapy, then go to therapy. Beautiful. Well, Wendy and Johnny, thank you so much for sharing your love story. It's totally inspiring and gross and beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) It is. We're we're very proud of it. It's amazing. Congratulations on your engagement. And I'm very excited for you. Thank you very much, Francesca. There you have it. See, that was gross, right? (laughs) But also really sweet, right? 
Come on, you feel me? Come on, I hope you do. Well, if you are feeling me (laughs) in the podcast, I don't know why I'm talking like it's the 90s. (laughs) Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And there are some really great interviews coming up in the near future. So please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you have not already, I would love a five-star review. If you're enjoying the podcast, just, you know, hey, tap those five stars. And of course, you can also write a review, which I'm super grateful for those of you who have taken the time to do that. Be sure to check the show notes to get more information on all of my guests today. And I'm just so grateful that you listen. I know that your time is precious and it's valuable. And the fact that you're spending a bit of it with me, I do not take that for granted. So thank you so much for listening. If you want to stay in touch with me, you can find me on all the social media platforms, mostly on Instagram and Twitter these days, but I'm on on all of them. And I'm at Dear Franny, pretty easy. And the podcast is at Dear Franny Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. So you know how to find me and I'd love hearing from you guys. So don't be shy. Go ahead and slide into my DMs. All right. Thank you for listening. Have a beautiful day. Till next time.